0: good morning to you all thank you for uh, having me out here uh, with you today it's a a great privilege for me to be here Um, when Dan uh, asked several weeks ago um, if I would if I would step in and and help out um, he told me he was doing this series on uh, the emotionally healthy Church, and that um, this week, what he intended was that this would be a, a sermon on the emotionally healthy spirituality. And I and I looked at him, I'm sure with glazed eyes, uh, inside going, I I don't have a clue what you're talking about. <laughs> And of course, I walked away with all sense of uh, projecting confidence. If you're all, oh, yeah, I, I, can, I can handle that. No, no problem. Uh, so I went home, and uh, for the last several weeks, I've been scurrying about trying to figure out what the heck is an emotionally healthy spirituality. What does he mean by that? So I uh, pulled off of my shelf my good old American Heritage College Dictionary, blew the dust off of it, and I began to look up the words and try to try to thread together uh, what this is is supposed to be all about. So here's what I found out. um, Emotionally. Emotionally means this. It's a mental state that arises subjectively rather than through conscious effort. And I take that to mean uh, it arises, you know, from this place that is not out of the cognitive uh, places of, of our life emotionally healthy definition of healthy it's indicative of sound rational thinking or frame of mind. So, when I put those two together, I'm like, Huh? What, what, how can those go together? One of them is suggesting that it's. It's out of these places that are not of the mind, but coming out of these subjective places. The other is that it's this totally rational space that is supposed to happen. Spirituality. Having the nature of spirit, not tangible or material. That helped. So in trying to weave this all together, I came up with my translation of what an emotionally healthy spirituality is all about. And here's what I came up with. Being schizophrenic about what I can't see. That's as best I could do. Um, not understanding, you know, how, how do you put all of this together? You're gonna look um, nuts. In the eyes of the world, we're going to look a little different if we're emotionally healthy and have the spirituality. And I think that's probably true. Uh, If if indeed those of us who choose to follow after Christ and his ways, um, we're going to look different. We're going to act differently. And so in in trying to find models and, and examples of What this might look like so that I could present something coherent to you this morning I I landed on David Uh, David is my go-to guy because he's he's a guy who's schizophrenic there's no question about it Um, when you think about David's life uh, particularly you know as we as we piece together all of the different you know big events that we oftentimes look at you have to understand David if you look at it closely David is is this guy who is a disrespector of authority right from the get-go. You know, uh, he, he, he does not do what his older brothers suggest. He doesn't do what his father suggests. He doesn't do what the king suggests. He's a disrespector of authority. He is uh, a liar, and he is a thief, and he is an exhibitionist. He runs around dancing in the street in his underwear. Now... We've taken all of those events in his life, and we've made very great, deep spiritual applications about those things, seriously. Now we have a harder time with the adultery and the murder, and we think, okay, well, that's where he's, you know, uh, a little little odd. Uh, These other things, no, that's a deep spiritual uh, teaching. All of that together in his life, and how do we summarize David? How is David oftentimes taught and talked about? He is a man after God's own heart. Wow. All of that is a man after God's own heart. How do you put that together? Well, you can't. You just simply can't. He's schizophrenic. (laughs) He's a little nuts. But he's actually... a. You know, if, if we step back and we get out of our, you know, images that we want to project about ourselves, we got to know he's just like me. I have all of these, I lie, you know, I steal, I, you know, do all of these kinds of things. He's just like me. And so as we look at this, I, I, I think, okay, David, what do you got to say then about an emotionally healthy spirituality? Um, And that's where I come up with with Psalm 16. And in in Psalm 16, he lays out, I think, a a little bit of an outline for what it might look like to be emotionally healthy and an emotionally healthy spirituality. And uh, it begins, I'm going to read it to you again, um, after we've read it this morning earlier with Charlie, but I'm going to read it again. Um, But I want you to know that... um, and my, my translation might be off by a few words, okay? There might be a few words that are different than what we're going to show up here on the screen. But it begins this way, a mictum of David. Now, a mictum is a very difficult word to translate uh, for us, but roughly translated, it means this. This is everything I've learned. Pay attention. That's really what it, what it kind of roughly translates, boils down to. This is important. Pay attention. And so David says this. Keep me safe, O God, for in you I take refuge. I said of the Lord, you are my Lord, and apart from you I have no good thing. As for the saints who are in the land, they are the glorious ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those will increase who run after other gods. I will not pour out their libations of blood or take their names on my lips. Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Oh, surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad, my tongue rejoices, my body also will rest secure. Because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will your Holy One see decay. You've made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. If you want an emotionally healthy spirituality, David says, pay attention. I have some things I've learned that I want to teach you. And he begins by saying, look, in order to start off having this health, you need to get a different perspective. You need a different view than what's out there. And so he says at the very outset, keep me safe, O God, for in you I take refuge. I take refuge. I'm running to you, God. I'm I'm hiding in in your protection, much like we do when we come in here on Sunday mornings into a, a sanctuary. It's a place set aside for this kind of protection a place to get perspective, where things change a little bit from the way they are out there. And we come and we get perspective. When we we run to God, He hides us, He holds us, and He gives us this place of perspective. That's very interesting that when you look in the Scriptures, where does God keep us safe? The places that, that God takes us, the places where He puts us for safety is under his wing, in the cleft of the rock, into a cave. You see, those are not places that I typically think about when I want to get perspective, when I want to get a view about life. He's hiding me. He wants to pull me away from life for a moment and hide me that I might get perspective and see What's really out there? So see what life is all about. I have four grandkids, ages seven, four, two, and ten months. Um, the ten-month-old, we just lock her up. We, we just put her behind bars uh, because she steals things all the time. She's stealing our heart. She's stealing, you know, attention, you know, from the other kids. She's just stealing. So we just, we just put her, put her in the cage and just leave her there because she's too dang cute, you know, and, and so she's just there. She's over there. The other three this summer, uh, I taught them the age old game of freeze tag, you know, and, and in freeze tag, there are really only a couple of really critical rules. One is, that when, somebody, when the person who's it touches you, you must stay frozen until somebody comes along and unfreezes you. The other rule in freeze tag uh, is that there is a place called base. It, it's a free spot. It's a place where, where the person who's it can't get you. But it's a place that you go to in order to get perspective. To take a look out here on the playing field to see where you're going to run to next and what you can do and how you can you know outsmart the guy who's it. Now, my um, my my two and four year old, they 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 completely got the idea that you run. <laughs> that that's all they did. They ran around and they went crazy. Even when you touched them, you know they would still keep running and screaming and yelling. Um, uh, They never ran to base. They never were frozen. You know, they just ran and yelled. But it's fine. Now, my seven-year-old, of course, being the oldest, followed all of the rules, you know. And uh, she was very upset when the others would not freeze um, and and told them over and over again how they're supposed to freeze. And they just ran ran anyway. The oldest one uh, and myself, we found ourselves on base a lot, you know. Um, We were on base. She was getting perspective. She was trying to figure out where to run to and and what to do. I'm on base because I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I don't want to run anymore. (laughs) Completely different, but we had a good time together. Being on base, you get perspective. And this is kind of what God is, is inviting us to. Come to me. Come to a place of sanctuary. Come to this place of safety. David says, I run to you so that I can get perspective, so that I can see life in front of me in a healthy way. And the things that he talks about here, there's a couple of things, there could be a whole lot more, but he just mentions a couple. And the first one is I get perspective on relationships, on the people in my life, and what's really going on with those people. You know, in the kingdom of God, the economy of the kingdom of God is relationships that's what makes the kingdom of God function and work and thrive in every other economic system and structure it's not about relationships it's using relationships in the kingdom of God it's about building relationships the kingdom expands and grows because you're in relationship with one another and David says here, Oh man, it is the saints who are in the land. They are the glorious ones in whom is all my delight. It's people. And he calls them saints. Now, now, don't misread that and think that these are perfect people. These are just merely people who are learning how to slug it out in real life, to deal with all of the circumstances around them, uh, in the marketplace, in the neighborhood. Uh, you know, at the grocery store, in the hardware store, wherever. They're learning how to follow Christ in that place. Up against a world system that is diametrically opposed to doing that very thing. These are the saints. These are the ones who are learning to do it. You know, they fail, but they get up and they go again. Ah, those are the ones David says, I'm going to hang around. You know, I've had mentors in my life, uh, mentors who had mentored me in my vocational work of being a pastor. And typically, these were other pastors who would teach me about being a pastor, or at least, you know, uh, folks who were vocationally trained church leaders. And I'm grateful for, for those people. But I have also other mentors in my life who mentor me in the shaping of my soul development, who, who teach me what it looks like to live this out, to follow Christ in a healthy way. Not perfect people, but people who are slugging it out, as we would say in, in the real world. I have a couple of couples that do this for me. One you're not familiar with, a couple by the name of Paul and Stephanie Harrow. I knew those two when they were in high school. I was pastor for them when they were in high school and watched them kind of grow up and fall in love. And and I did their wedding, you know, and and then when their four kids came along, dedicated each of their kids, um, been there for for grandparents' funerals and, and did those things. You know, you just got to walk with them in life. And all of the ups and all of the downs of life. It's a great privilege uh, that pastors have to to get to do that. And it was my mentors who taught me how to, you know, do, do the nuts and bolts of those kinds of things. But it's Paul and Stephanie who taught me how to live through all of that. And how do you slug it out and follow Jesus in the midst of all these different kinds of circumstances? Another couple that many of you probably are very familiar with. Matt and Beth Settle taught me how to live life, how to slug it out in in real life and and do life. You know, when things aren't necessarily the rosiest and the greatest, they get up and they go. They keep doing it. They have spoken into my life for the last several years. They mentor me. They are the saints. They are the ones. They are so far better than any um, TV or radio uh, doctor or talk show host, you know, who are spouting out all kinds of different goofy wisdom, you know, on on how to do life. I will not pour out my libations that direction. I want to hang out with Matt and Beth and Paul and Stephanie and let them teach me what it's like to follow Jesus they give me perspective and when I'm on base I can see perspective from what they're saying and what they're doing and live it out myself when I'm on base I can also get perspective on the places of my deepest security needs that I have to feel secure and safe David says it this way, Lord, you have assigned to me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. Oftentimes I think in my in-health I spend way too much energy and time looking over the fence, looking outside the boundaries that God has given to me, longing for, dreaming of, desiring what I don't have, as opposed to celebrating what, what boundaries God has given to me and what he's doing with me in those boundaries. What I've discovered, what I have learned over the years is that My boundaries, my fence row, my borders are good. They have fallen for me in in a delightful place. And it's different than you. And yours are different than mine. But to recognize that God has set up these boundaries, these parameters, they're good for us. The truth of the matter is, the sky is not the limit. Which is what the world is trying to, you know, get you to do. Just keep pushing the boundaries out. If you look over in Hosea, you'll find a little indictment against the priests who God catches them sneaking out at night, moving the boundary markers. The boundary markers have fallen for me. That is, God has done something to put me in a space that's good and healthy for me. You know, there's a couple ways to look at this. You know, one's a kind of a negative and, and the other's a positive. One is we can be upset that we're pinned in. You know, the, and, and so we do all that we can to, to let out our glittering image so that everybody could think that we're something more than just what our boundaries are, are suggesting. We, you know, call that the ego. You know, trying to project out there something that's just not really us not really in our boundaries. Or we can look at this a little more positively and say, look, the boundary markers for me are a great place to celebrate. This is where I am. This is where God is working on me. I might not like all of the circumstances. They may be hard and difficult, but this is the space that God is working on me, and I can celebrate in that. It's hard work to get to that place. It takes a lot of work, I think, a lot of years to embrace the fact that the boundary markers have fallen for you in, in pleasant places. Because a world system, a fallen world order is trying to get you to push those boundaries and go beyond. I think one of the most instructive pieces of scripture that we have on this whole issue is in, in Hebrews chapter 12, in the very first verse. And if you remember in the context, Hebrews 12 follows Hebrews 11. It's a Brilliant scholarship on my part that I've come up with that. But in Hebrews 11, you have this whole list of really schizophrenic people. People who we call them people of faith people who lived life differently than the rest of the world. And uh, so now we, we come into this chapter 12, and the author says this, Therefore, since we're surrounded by all these folks, this great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, in other words, he's saying, look, it's our turn. It's our turn. to The baton has been passed to us, and we get to run now our leg of the race. And our leg of the race is marked out for us. It's the same as that boundary marker, you know, that's there for you. You run that race. And here's how the author says to run it. You got to learn to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Now, the sin that so easily entangles is usually pretty obvious. It's all the stuff that, you know, we, we preach against, you know, in church, you know, don't do this, don't do that, you know, that, that kind of thing. We look at the scriptures and we can see that there are certain kinds of things that God does not want us to do and to participate in. We still do it, but God doesn't want us to do that. You know, so learn how to, how to confront that in your life. That takes the rest of your life to learn how to do that. But it's very clear. The instructions are very clear. You don't need rocket science to show you what that is. Where you do need some rocket science is the things that hinder you. (laughs) This is the more difficult part. It's just as hard to learn to not do these things, but it's harder to recognize them. These are the things that are not necessarily sins. These are the things that for you, because of the lot that you have, because of the boundaries that God has placed you in, probably is a good idea if you don't do them. They're not sins. They're not necessarily wrong. They're just not going to help you run your race. And it takes some time to learn what those kinds of things might be. One of the things that I learned and have been trying to work on for a long time happens you know every Sunday afternoon in the fall Uh, it's gonna happen again this afternoon you know Uh, I I enjoy football I enjoy watching it I and you know I, I but here's the thing my wife does not my kids don't and so I would find myself In the family room, watching TV, Sunday afternoons, all by myself, yelling, (laughs) screaming at the TV. Now, you might think that that's a great example of a wonderful fan. My son, on the other hand, walked by the room one time after I was screaming at the TV and looked at me and he said, Seriously, Dad? I, I just died. <laughs> I went. You're right. This is this is not good. <laughs> if some, you know, if we were in any other kind of environment, it, people would call me crazy. This this is not good. And I realized also just how exhausted I was, and how anxious you know I was, and and all of that kind of stuff. And I realized. This is not good for me. Now, if you invite me over to your house, you know, and and we have a a party and there's a bunch of people there and we're watching the game, great. If out of the kindness and generosity of your heart you give me a ticket to go with you to the game, great. I'll go. I'll enjoy it. It'll be a fun time together. You know, we'll be doing this again. But just sitting at home by myself, I realized I can't do this anymore. So for the last 10 years, I've not done it. Now, I read ferociously on Monday morning about everything that happened, you know, uh, in the paper and and all that kind of stuff. Because I'm a fan. I care. I just can't. I am so weak, I can't do it. And so I've had to make a decision. You know, this is a thing that hinders me. Me. It might not be you, it's me. And so I have, to, I have to turn it off. And I got that, you know, from God's perspective, showed me this is not what I have in mind for your Sabbath, for rest. Can be for others, it's not for you. Those are the things that are hard for us to come to grips with. What is it good for me in my own health and, and spiritual development? But when we're on base, God gives to us perspective. We learn to hear his voice. We learn to hear what, what uh, uh, he has to say to us about life out there. Being on base, that's a whole nother. thing sermon series. That's a whole other class to teach you what does that look like to be on base, you know, and how do you get on base. The important thing is to learn to run there and, and to get there and to hear his voice. And, to, and, and as, as David says, that he puts God out there. Let me find exactly how he said it. Um, where'd he go? <laughs> Somewhere out there. Um, oh, I have set the Lord always before me. It, it literally is it's, it's an image of a counterbalance. You know, it, it's, it's balancing the Lord's perspective out in front of me. I've got the world's perspective. I live in that. I'm surrounded by that. I'm saturated in that. I get the Lord's perspective when I intentionally set him out in front of me to, to balance me and I begin to hear perspective. I get perspective on what does it look like to really follow and, and be healthy? And and there's a lot of great stuff that David says here at the very end of, of chapter uh, of Psalm 16. And again, they they themselves could be a long teaching series, but just you know, to kind of highlight, he says, Look, some of the benefits that come to you when you learn to hear my voice. When you, when you learn to get perspective, are things like your body will be at rest. Wow. You'll find rest. You will live with a certain kind of joy that you don't get from, you know, all of the trinkets and, and stuff from this world. There's a deeper joy that you will learn to live life through. You will have a confidence that God will lead you and instruct you in whatever phase of life you're in. In whatever circumstance comes your way, you'll have a confidence that he will lead you. And you will live with a deep kind of pleasure. More gratifying than anything else you've ever experienced to this point. It's the kind of pleasure that as we talk about it in our little ministry, Rhythm of Grace, where you learn to dance with God, and you learn to dance God's rhythm, and how you do that. And in, and in that, you learn learning to dance unabashedly, with great freedom, and in and, and all of life, and maybe even like David in his underwear. Maybe not, but you know, you're gonna look differently with that kind of freedom in life. And it's going to require that maybe being schizophrenic is okay. (laughs) Maybe I'm going to be different. But in following, uh, in pursuing him, life will be different. It will be healthy. And I pray that for you and for me. Lord Jesus, would you grant to us the grace to enter into a hiding place with you to get perspective? Maybe even this morning, Lord, a little bit of clear perspective has come because of the person we're sitting beside, because of that saint, not so much by what they preach to us, but just by the way they live it out, following you and trusting you. Lord, maybe you've you've inclined our hearts to consider and our minds to consider, what are the hindrances for me? What about my lot? Am I content with what you're doing in me in this place today? Give us the courage, Lord, to run to perspective In this hiding place with you and I pray this Lord for these people I pray it for myself and I pray it so that you might be glorified and I pray it in your name amen would you stand with me as we speak our blessing over one another I'm so grateful that you all have finally learned this blessing and are praying it together periodically. I've been praying this over people for the last 14 years. And I'm glad you guys have finally caught me. Let's do this together and, and speak this, okay? May the peace of the Lord Christ go with you. Wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness. Protect you through the storm. And may he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders that he has shown you. And may he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Go in peace.